0: gave them this race. And with the with the theme of optimism, I was popping to A station to A station, like how can I give back to the people that are giving to me? And so one A station you pop in and you're like, yo, like this is sick. Well first the first half of the race is I'm chatting with some of the best ultra runners that I've in the world. Like I'm sitting there like learning from them, shooting the shit being like, yo, we are running in a beautiful place with the sun rising right now. And it is amazing. To and then it's like, alright, now it's starting to get harder, alright, you guys keep going, I'm gonna back off a little bit, cause I gotta make sure I made it to the finish line, but you keep doing your shit. And so then I popped into an aid station, and I'm like, alright, like, this is sick. First one's like, I think I was like, okay, I gotta tell a joke or something. I have to get back to them, I tell a joke there. And then the second one, I'm like, alright, yo, yeah, like, much love for all the support you give me, can I have a hug? Like, I would love a hug right now, like, that would make me stoked. So they gave me a hug, and I'm like, alright, now I keep rolling and The last one, I'm like, all right, dude, we need a freaking dance party to get this shit back up. We need to stir this pot up, get dancing again, and get going. So we got a dance party there. And next thing I know, I'm freaking running a nine and a half hour race, get to the finish line, and some of the best people in the sport are like, dude, that was sick. Like, you really, I, I, I can't believe you went out of charge you didn't made it to the finish line. And I'm just like, I'm not doing this shit yet. <laughs> this is so hard. And then the long story short, I think, that was probably the race and I mean I think yes I think that I'm a very good athlete um, but I also think that um, your personality is more important and so me connecting with those people I think gave me exposure to contract
1: Brian, welcome to the Stoke Podcast. On today's episode I have Preston Cates on this episode and he is such an amazing individual. Um, he is a professional ultra runner for Nike Trail um, but he extends beyond just being an athlete. Preston has amazing qualities, a great personality and His selflessness goes beyond any of his achievements, um, and I think it'll bring him a lot of success in his life um, outside of athletics. But we dive into a bunch of really cool stories that he has to tell based on just his training, his adventures, and where he kind of gets his motivation and his passion. So um, I'm super excited to introduce Preston. And before we get going, I just want to extend um, my thanks to the sponsors, Moxie Life, for helping our Confluence 928 off-road team with hydration, both with the Phytolite and the Hydromag, um, giving my body what it needs on long training days. Um, Enduro Bites for making the best pre-workout there is out there. Um, it's a beat formula. So... Um, it gives those it gives your body a little more oxygen. I'm not a scientist. I just like what it does to my body. Um, Tim Allen, the realtor, huge shout out just for supporting the team. Um, single speed coffee roasters for giving the caffeine that we need, but also to support the team and these racers' um, ambitions and dreams. Uh, let's see, we got freshly minted socks out there just making sure that are fresh or squeaky squeaky fresh um, their uh, their fabric is fantastic. I'm not a huge fan of a lot of socks but they're one of the comfiest socks I've put on my feet so um, I'm really glad that they're one of our Confluence 928 sponsors um, and Trail Monos for making some awesome gloves and they're super stylish, super cool graphics on a lot of the gloves so each one of us has A different graphic on our gloves, which is kind of unique. We're going to try to get some Confluence 928 logos on there. Uh, And also, you know, before diving into this episode, um, I am an uh, assistant event coordinator for Yavapai Hustle. Um, It's a bike event on December 3rd in Clarkdale, Arizona. So just basically in Cottonwood, Arizona at Yavapai College, there's a 30 mile course there's a 15 mile course and there's also um an 18 mile course this 18 mile course is going to be three laps of six miles it's going to be fast and flowy the mean 15 that's mean it's hard it's it's gritty um just because it's 15 miles um there actually are some really sketchy sections so um, make sure when you're signing up that you keep these in you know these in mind uh the dirty 30 you need to be fit um, you need to handle, handle your bike um, It's going to test every rider for sure um, I'm not going to be doing it this year uh, Just because I need to be there and Making sure things are organized But it is going definitely to be a challenge um, So come support um, come, come check it out uh, Verde Valley Bicycle Company's Instagram As well as uh, on Bike Reg You can just kind of search it in Bike Reg And it should pop up as Yavapai Hustle Um, we have three weeks of registration, so, you know, don't miss out. Register now. And, uh, all right. Help me welcome Preston Cates.
0: Arizona where are you currently living yeah uh, I moved to Flagstaff about six months ago grew up in Boulder Colorado um, and I just kind of wanted to learn a new environment and the Grand Canyon's down here in Flag and so just an hour and a half or so outside and I was like it's a great place to explore so yeah totally it's probably one of the best places to train too I mean at
1: 7,400 yeah. yeah Pocho you can't be going in and out like that. What's right? up, Pup? And uh, so this is our first live podcast. We have the baby and the baby mama in the in the room today. So if you hear some squeaking, that's little Kaya girl and then Kenzie. She's she just wants to see what the new studio looks like, which super stoked on it. Um, but yeah, so the reason I to press Preston on today is he has from what I've heard so much stoke, and just know, like just meeting you the few times I have, you know, you you change even my emotions. You know, you you're kind of contagious in the way, you know, you just bring out the best in people. Um, even the few instances that I've, that I've met you, and that I've heard just amazing things about you in general. Um, and you are also a badass runner um, when it comes to ultra marathons. Um, so. Like, I kind of want to start out and kind of hear your background. Like, so you're in Flagstaff now, but lead me up to where you are today, but starting from
0: the first time you found a love for running. Totally. Yeah, first, Quinn, thanks. I appreciate the kind words. Um, I think what you find a common theme with people in the outdoor space is we all have very interesting stories and are constantly push people to do the – the exciting, uh, positive things because why focus on the, on the BS that distracts you when you have an adventure to go take on. Um, but more my personal or my background, um, I actually, so I grew up in Boulder, Colorado and, um, came from actually a wrestling background, um, and wrestled all through high school. And then right before going to college, made a last minute change to decide to run, um, more on the consensus that with a wrestling partner, to be really good at wrestling, you need a really good wrestling partner, someone that you like got along with, somebody that you could like really get into a good flow and practice with. Whereas in with running, I knew that I was a very personally determined person, and so I thought the sky was the limit, and and so being new to running with only running one year of track my senior year of high school, I um, I felt like there was a lot of potential to explore, and so I also believed. That because I was so new to it, that I had like res- resiliency or a, a buffer that would be like a learning curve buffer or being naive to the sport. And so whereas and some people were getting more exhausted as they were getting going through college, I felt like I was just keep still climbing. Like climbing. Um, and yeah, and so I feel like there was a lot of variables that were just clicking that I was like, dude. Like I'm stoked on what my what, what my potential is. Like I have, I have the whole I have a whole lifetime to figure out where I can go with it. And so from from high school, I went to a Division two college called Western State in Gunnison, Colorado, uh, which is a beautiful place. Born um, you were, dude. Born and raised in Gunnison, Colorado. What? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. No yeah. No way.
1: Western State College. Do you have um? With Wolfgang, do you know of? He's the. I think he used to be the cross country coach. Back when I was kind of growing up there. Yeah. But they are, they breed Mm -hmm. athletes. And I think what's
0: something that's different than like traditional Division I programs is I eventually go to Arkansas and run there. But what's cool about D2 kids is that they're very blue collar with how they approach things. They go, they don't care about the fame, they just go in there and they are just, let's get to work. Like, they don't have a bougie facility, they don't have all the nice, like, Nutrition or budget behind it they're like no no no. i'm doing this because i want to freaking do this and so that's a great point of conversation to stay on for a little bit just because if you're going to make it in the sport after college you have to be rugged you know um and so unfortunately i think a lot of division one athletes get pampered and so once they get out of those big facilities then they're like what the f like i don't want to do this if i don't have like $50,000 going into it and flying crazy trips. And so that's why I get really stoked about kids that are new to the sport. And actually sometimes I prefer them to go to a, a, a smaller school. So
1: Yeah. So like getting out of a D1 school, you know, those aren't necessarily some of the people that would live in a truck and go travel to ultra races in the middle of Colorado. Yeah. You know, and that, that's a good point you bring up and I've never even thought of that. Um, so
0: in college, you what did you specifically run like yeah yeah i would i specialized in 5k 10k um but even from a young age i knew that i was excelling in the long runs um there were some kids like once i got to arkansas you would see sub four minute milers like regularly um and so they would just rip off 400 faster than you could believe (laughs) And so where I excelled was when we would go to our dirt roads and our the University of Arkansas was a very international school. We, we recruited talent from all over the world. So we had Kenyans, we had people from Great Britain, we had um, people from Jamaica, like just crazy phenomenal athletes. And so I'm blessed for the exposure I got there to see really what it took to be uh, all the, the thought process, A, to become a really good athlete, but also just like being surrounded by greatness to know that it was like, Rubbing off on you in a way, um, but I personally excelled in uh, the long runs, and so we would go out to some dirt roads, and it would just be like, from from being a walk on, I was like, I need to prove myself, and sometimes the track workouts wasn't my spot, and so we would have some fast dirt road like long runs where it would be me and the Kenyans just duking it out, and it would almost be like I would be entertaining for the coaches to see like how long I would make it, and I think. That mentality is something that, and maybe you can speak to it too, is is that makes you a really good athlete is just throw me in the well, you know? Let's see how far you can dig because there's a certain level of fitness that you won't get otherwise until you push far. And yes, before really big training blocks, you probably shouldn't do that always, but like it keeps, you keep digging deeper and you keep working on that mental like fitness. It's a whole, whole other ballgame. So. I like how you call it the well.
1: Sometimes like in cycling, I call it the wounded child, right? (laughs) So it's like, when you are in that, the shit, like when everything, you are just torn to pieces, Mm -hmm. right? And to keep going and to see how, how much further you can push it, even though your body's probably not reacting, but that mindset of like, feeling those muscles kind of just dig a little deeper and a little deeper. Yeah. So it's funny that you call it the well, and I totally understand like, um, so that's kind of what you found to be, what you excelled at, is just trying to figure out, okay, I like these long runs where I can
0: go with these Kenyans and dig. Dig, yeah. Yeah, I I actually popped in and ran with NAZ Elite uh, about a month and a half ago, and uh, one of their star athletes is Wesley Kiptu. And so I kind of wanted a blast from the past and to uh, re-experience that because I feel like I was getting a little too soft with uh, being in my own sphere. And so, um, yeah. so. Where was your first um, experience
1: when it came to, like, you were going to college and you were competing in the 5K, competing at the 10K, um, doing good, but when was, like, the time where you were like, okay, I'm going to switch it now. I'm not going to start, I'm not going to race these 5Ks and these 10Ks. I want to actually compete in my first ultra, or not even compete in your first ultra, but just, when was that time when you wanted to just
0: see how far you could go? Yeah um, my transition to ultra wasn't, wasn't as like, I knew I always wanted to move to this space. Absolutely. Um, but it wasn't so streamlined because something I prioritize more than I prioritize my running is just life experience in general. Um, because yes, prioritizing your health and, and, and your fitness is very important because obviously you can do really cool adventures, right? But what's even more beautiful that in the, to that in my, opinion. In my opinion, is connecting and making meaningful relationships and experiences with people, right? And so, chasing life experience itself is where I prioritize that. And so, I say that because out of college, the first thing I decided to do was go to grad school in Austria. Um, and so, when I went out over there, though, it was I like filed everything, got approved, like got accepted into the school, got out there, and right before leaving, get out there though, COVID hit. And so it was like, okay, all right. Well, now I'm going to a foreign country, one of the most, like, regimentally strict countries because Germany and Austria are just crazy strict. Mm-hmm. And so now I'm in Austria and I can only go to the grocery store and and run. And so thankfully I brought my bike. I brought an old, like, uh, a Serata 1980. 88 steel frame Nice. yeah my dad's old bike which is so much fun to rip around on nice. um, and so and then I was just like alright well I mean and what that experience came out with was well unfortunately I didn't get any the cultural experience that I wanted but I did get three months, four months of sitting in a room not having access to anything and deciding what I really wanted to do and so it was like a not prison but like an incubation center to be like alright What's my next step? And so was it stay in Austria and try to grind out the grad school? Or was it go back to the U.S. and get really, really fit and chase a contract? And so while I was out there, I like kind of like formalized a races that were close to home that I felt personally connected to that would build my confidence and just motivation as I hit them. And then eventually lead to a race that I thought would bring publicity and get a contract. And, I mean, as I sit here, I guess that plan worked out. And so I'm, I'm fortunate for being sponsored by Nike and the, the risk they took at someone at my age, being 25, to, uh, to, to progress the development I have now with um, exposure to legit teammates, exposure to travel. Like I just raced in Norway and Switzerland. So, well, so yeah, so a lot of cool things I'm very thankful for. And, um, and so, yeah, so. That's, that's almost, yeah, you manifested kinda what you wanted to do
1: and it was almost a blessing in this being in Austria it was almost like a meditation retreat where okay yeah. cool no bars like I, okay I can't meet people I only can go to the grocery store and run Yeah. and I, I know you had the phone so you can kind of like scroll and research some things but mm-hmm. um, that's a really cool experience to just kind of sit in a room figure out what you want to do when you get back to the States right it was like kind of when I leave here what is my what, what is Preston's next game plan yeah cool yeah um and you got on with Nike and how has that been so far? Like
0: is it kind of a dream come true? Actually, so so that's what's what's interesting about it is um um I grew up lots in team environments, right? So I was a leader on my wrestling of the on wrestling team, I was a Captain on the cross-country team, um, and just because I love cultivating a environment, but that's not just conducive to me, but conducive to everybody around me, right? And so, blessing to be a part of the Nike team, but what was funny is it's almost like it was meant to be because a lot of the trail runners that that space is solo grinders. Everyone is like working a part-time job or a full-time job and trying to crush fitness on the side, which is admirable because it takes a lot of, lot of grinding to do that type of stuff, but unfortunately everyone's going at it it's like singly or one at a time, right, individually, um, and so now that um, I'm part of Nike, we had a, our athlete manager transition to a new role, and so we had a few months of just athletes with no manager, and so, which is funny, because I took it that approach as, all right, I guess I got the, this is, I can't, I'm saying this now, but I guess I have the green light to, to run with whatever I got, right, and so... Obviously, I was conscious of what is acceptable and what is not to do within the team, but I was like, you know what, maybe we should set up an internal team structure, you know? And so we started like, started, I started sending emails around, like, hey guys, like, look, we all just raced in Europe. We all have this great formative life experience and it's dissipating and we're not talking about it. Like, we need to create a structure where our athletes can come in and start speaking to one another and create innovative ideas so that, because, I mean, in my opinion, and I am biased. But I would say that Nike, on the roadside, is probably the most prominent brand. I mean, they developed shoes that people broke their contracts to run in, mm-hmm. which is crazy to think about. Now, why is that not the case? Well, borderline, you could argue it, but but there are some really solid um, sponsored or, or, um, or companies that are crushing the trail space, like Solomon and, and some other companies. Hoka. Hoka. Yeah, yeah Hoka. Um, and so I'm like... We have the budget, we have the resources, we have the talent. Now it's like, do we want to do it? And then, and if I'm gonna be cliche, I'm gonna say, just do it, baby. Come just on. Throw in <laughs> oh! <laughs> <So,
1: laughs> the team slogan. We just got thrown in there. And like, cool. <laughs> and so you just send it out there to all your teammates. Just do it. Like, what did? Is it? What did? Everything kind of go stagnant when the manager left. Was there no
0: kind of team morale? Was was energy low? So yeah, those are all great questions. Um, I don't necessarily think everything can go stagnant because everyone on the team is so individually motivated to reach that their goals that they are always on that path, right? And so, um, so we were all individually chasing these dreams, right? Um, but I just thought, wouldn't it be easier if you had your your teammates literally by your side? And um, and so, so, but thankfully now everything's starting to click. So I had, a, so my first year though, so I took my first year of my club contract, which is coming up here and I got signed last February. And so I took my first year as a developmental approach. Like, and I think that's what I would suggest anybody in general to do with their, with how they perceive athletics is, and is not take the first couple of years of your career is so serious, and really take it as a as a how do I gain as much knowledge as I can, bring it back, reassess it, and then build a plan for the next years going forward. Totally. Um, and so, so that's how I approached my first year, which is kind of like like full disclosure. My contract's two years, and so and so kind of risky because you're like okay, then you only leave yourself one year to capitalize on all this stuff. But I wouldn't want to do it any other way because now I've done some crazy races that did go in my favor in terms of performance, but, but went in my favor in terms of what I gained from them. And so I'm taking a long game approach, essentially. Um, but yeah, but now everything's clicking at the right time because we just have a new athlete manager named Lucy. She's super legit. She's actually from Colorado as well. She uh, um, she went to the cross country track athlete at CU. Um and, and then I have a race, I'm racing next week, uh, JFK 50 miler. And so, yeah, in outside of Washington, DC. Dang. Yeah. And so, but anyway, so new athlete manager, we started, we, we, we do photo shoots within the Nike ecosystem just to, uh, to promote our product, but also to, uh, to learn and meet other people in the product team and stuff like that. And so we had a few of those. Um, and so I got to meet Lucy personally and so I'm excited with, with how all the uh, all the things are lining up and so it sounds like it's, it's the right amount of energy at the right time leading to this race and one of my teammates Matt Daniels is also going to be there um, my father actually flying out as well and so now we have physical team support at the race so yeah that's almost 50% of
1: racing is having first that support there whether it's a teammate whether it's you know, your fiancé or your dad, mom, just to have someone there to, like, know, shit. If I do end up dying, because <laughs> your <laughs> <laughs> ultras, it's no joke. I mean, there are possibilities where, you, you know, you miss an aid station, you say, you know, you get arrogant, you go, ah, no, I got my water, I don't need to, I don't, I don't need to stop. Yeah. Oh, uh, well, you didn't know that you were going to cramp up and, so, you know. Yeah, yeah you no, know, totally. totally. And now you're in the middle of the forest, yeah. 30 miles, and you're on feet. At least I have a bike where I can, like, True. coast in. But yeah. being out there, so having that support system um, is starting to come around with the Nike Trail, mm-hmm. like, especially because Ultra's a totally different realm than their uh, road cool. and marathons and 5Ks because mm-hmm. they're probably one of the biggest brands out there who are supporting some of the best athletes. Yeah. But before I I met you, I didn't even know Nike had a Ultra Trail team, which is super cool. Mm-hmm. I'm glad that they do because in they're a running shoe, and they should. Um, and bounce, bouncing to a kind of another topic with this, um, as you were kind of coming up 5K, 10K, and you're starting to realize, okay, this is kind of the road I want to go down. Um, after you graduate college, I'm going to... You, you graduated, and then this is when you were like, okay, I'm going to stick to the ultra because it's
0: stars are aligning. This is kind of... Yeah, I think I think my initial exposure to ultra was my my father. My father was um, a little backstory. My dad is he owns a consulting company, and he went from a philosophical degree to. So this is where I get a lot of my life's chasing life experience stuff from. And so he moved into the ultra space because. I mean, if you want a transformative experience, if you want a life in a day, that's what a lot of hundred-mile slogans are. it's life in the day, and so if yeah, right, and so if you want those experiences, you go to ultra because there's nothing more as like we said, going to the well or whatever the what whatever the the however you want to say it, but but when you are digging deep and you are fifty miles in, you're like oh I feel like shit, and I got fifty more. Like that's who you figure out who you are. That's how you figure out how your brain fucking works. Mm-hmm. And so those are the experiences that I always like to chase because they uh, they they just make you tough. And yeah, um, I have a uh, I have a little side side story. Um, there's a I watched a video on not an ultra runner but an ultra swimmer, and they were swimming. I can't tell you where on the location, but they started. They started. Really early like midnight because they had to avoid ship traffic right because yeah. you're swimming in the open water freaking insane. Good luck. Yeah Moving out of the way of a big ship coming your way in the middle of the ocean. Yeah, I'm not gonna see you Yeah, for real and so and so but anyways this person goes out there and they're I mean I'm not scared of a lot of things but swimming in the sea at midnight with, like, mm-hmm. loctis monsters underneath you. Dude, I'm not, I'm not about that. Yeah. So, <laughs> but anyways, but they talk about a really beautiful thing. Well, first, I'm going to set the environment a little bit more. And you're swimming underneath beautiful stars. Like, in Flagstaff, you know, it's a dark, city, dark sky city. We were right underneath the stars. And they're beautiful to look at. But while they're swimming, they look at beautiful stars. And then they're swimming through bioessence. So it's like, so you're just getting a trippy experience of seeing beauty all over the place. Um, but something, the reason why I bring this story up, though, is that um, they spoke about a, the transformative experience you have when you go from, wow, I don't think I'm going to make it because this is exhausting and I have 50 more miles, to all of a sudden that you keep, pers- keep persevering and then you hit mile 60 or 65 and you go, holy shit, I feel really good again. Because then your brain starts taking all this adrenaline and these endorphins that are like, I went from thinking I was at the lowest I could go to now I'm at the highest I high again. Then you start riding this wave where you're like, if this is possible, anything's freaking possible. Because you're freaking just so stoked on this freaking energy that you're like, dude, freaking, this is only 35? I wish it was a 200 mile range. I could run this shit forever. forever. Yeah. And so not that that's actually the case, so probably hit a low again, but like that's the point is you ride that wave and you just keep riding that wave because you never know when it's gonna get better. So Or worse. Or worse. That's a
1: huge thing too, is like do <clears throat> the ultra, you find your wounded child, like your your consciousness, like your consciousness, everything about you, everything that's been kind of like your demons, like everything that hurt you as a child, everything that the bully told you when you were in sixth grade. I mean, everything that the the smallest part of you gets poked. And also the biggest part of you is the one who's aware because it's you you in the moment, your conscious spirit is like feeling this little person inside of you. Like, Oh my God, you, you, you can go, you can keep going, Mm -hmm. you can keep going, but there's something inside of you that you face. And it's this, this this afraidness you know that you could potentially die or, or the, why am i doing this why am i doing this to myself then it's like self sabotage true sure. then there's yeah but like you were saying the wave of this is nothing can t- t- take me down yeah. i am literally as high as i could possibly be i'm almost to the finish line Granted, cycling is completely different, right? So I, that's why I love having you and hearing your story. Because cycling is it's different. I'm on two wheels, and I can kind of travel my distance. Um, but on feet, you know, your downhill is probably the hardest, which I commend you for, you know? like, um, And so going off that, like ultra, um, and is that was kind of introduced by your dad because he had that philosophy mind. And um, is that so... Going back to where you were, like that's kind of what pushed you into this realm
0: of sport. Was... Yeah, yeah. I mean, a uh, few things. First is what's cool about enduring those crazy different distances is what you're speaking to was is the demons that you face are unique to every single person, right? And so and so while mine might be how do I run every step or like what the heck is going in my my brain? Everyone's and that's why I encourage everyone to at least try to like. Pursue an endurance sport or, or something of the sort that would, that takes long enduring um, yeah and then on the topic of uh, on, on, on biking like I'd love to hear more about your perspective too just because it's like like I just myself got a gravel bike and I'm really stoked on it yeah. but I'm like there's so many things that I'm like how the hell can you freaking be on a bike for this long and like Oh and Arizona itself is so rocky and it's just like, oh my gosh. And then I mean you see, I mean, I'm curious if you're interested at this point, at this particular point as well. But um, hold on one second. Yeah, hold that thought. Hold that thought. Sorry, Sorry. we got the dog. Come here, come here. I think she just shot herself.
1: She just shot Andre. Oh my gosh. She the baby just pooped. Dog was in and out. All
0: right, back. Yeah, yeah, no, 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 and so what, and what I'm curious if you're interested in at some point is I'm slowly getting really interested in fast-packing. And so that shit, because I mean, I I get really stoked on being outside in the mountains or outside in the desert and just spending a lot of time outdoors. Uh, A, for you have a full long-term stream of consciousness because you're like outside in beautiful places, but B, you're just pushing yourself and um, yeah, and so I, I mean, I've watched some fastpacking documentaries, or and I'm like, dude, these, what, what these people do is crazy. Yeah. So, um, that's a whole nother realm because
1: first you're bringing, you know, with ultra running, there's there's some races that are self supported, you know, like no one can help you um, with, like in packing you mean like bikepacking? <laughs> yeah. So bikepacking, it's like whatever when you start, when as soon as you leave your house. Whatever you packed on your bike is going to be what you need, you know? So, um, what's really cool about the bike and that adventure is, I mean, I have a GPS right in front of me, you know, I'm on this, like, I'm in my cockpit where I have my water, I have my food, I have all these things on my pack. Mm -hmm. And then on the GPS, I've never done any overnights. I've had a few attempts at them, um, just from... You know, being with a partner and just circumstances just in the line for us to, like, continue on. Um, but I, I've, I've packed a bike. I've been there, I'm like, ready to do it. And uh, we did 116 miles in one day. Mm-hmm. And we're going to do that again, you know. But long story short, you have everything you need on your bike. And going the distance, I mean, you have the GPS and a course that you've routed. You don't have to worry about taking the wrong turn. You can kind of like rely on your GPS I bring a USB charger just in case that dies yeah um, you bring your phone just for emergencies um, because on on a bike you can go 700 miles running you can go 700 miles it's just gonna take you a much longer time totally. you know so people tend to just like find more adventure on two wheels right sure. because you can just like right now like if, if I wanted to I can leave cottonwood and head up to flagstaff yeah I, I'd, I'd be okay i mean i'd, I'd get to flagstaff and I'd, I'd be able to go wake up in the morning and have a cup of coffee and get back on my bike and come back here yeah. you know so it's just less strain on the body so you're able to go much further and that's just with getting used to the seat sure because you're on you know a seat for i mean 24 hours a day i mean, dana Ernst was my first first guest on the podcast, and he did two hundred and fifty miles around the Verde Valley, and he did it under twenty four hours. Holy nuts! You know, and he's a math professor at NAU. Yeah. With a family, and like so, it's you. Know, the bike is allows you to do these crazy things. Mm-hmm. Would it be comparative to ultra running in the mindset and kind of the same going into the well? Absolutely. Physically, is it as physically demanding? That depends on the athlete. Anyone who runs an ultra is probably going to feel the detriment effect. Anyone who rides their bike 100 miles, it's a different physical. Totally. I mean, because some people didn't train for it and didn't ever spend t- 10 hours on a bike. Yeah. So their lower back is going to kill. Their legs yeah. might be fine, but your body's posture is not. Yeah, you know right? right So... Um, yeah, gravel biking, I'm stoked that you got it because it allows you to do everything. Road, gravel, trail, and yeah. talk about adventure and, you know... Expanding your playground. Expanding your playground. And that's why I've been starting to run, too, is because there's a different intimacy with the, the environment. Mm-hmm. On, on your feet, you know, it's a very... You know, you're looking at the trail... You're stepping precise on a bike, dude. It's, (laughs) oh, I'm running this shit (laughs) over (laughs) it. You know, that's that's what's beautiful about the bike. But to expand the, and then snow, it's a whole other world. You know, like being from Colorado, backcountry skiing, there's no riding Mm -hmm. right now. Yeah. It's it's done. Mm -hmm. So that's a whole other. Ultra Adventure Sport, like have you heard of the Grand Traverse in Crested Butte, Colorado? I have heard of it. I yeah. yeah. It's a Nordic ski from Crested Butte, Colorado all the way to Aspen, Colorado. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's insane. Insane. And so it's a whole other ultra and finding that wounded child. because. Mm-hmm. You're in the cold at night.
0: Like, oh, your- and that that brings those variables are so much sketchier, and so and something that I think that is the theme of everything that we're talking about is whether you're riding your bike or you're prepping around hundred miles or you're doing the Grand Grand Traverse is the the attention to detail and the discipline necessary to to bring all the necessary supplies, and so that's what makes the skiing ones even more extreme because if you get frostbite in the middle of the mountains, gee, that's very detrimental to your health. Yeah. And so, um, there's a, there's a two, it's like a two, it's a, it's a two-edged sword. It's like, I encourage people to, to throw themselves in really crazy environments because you will see how big your well is and see what you're capable of. But also it's like, you have to be cautious on making sure that you have a plan B or somebody know where you are or something of the sort so you don't detriment to yourself. Yeah. Like but,
1: the guy in the canyon lands. We didn't tell I forget his name. I'm spacing the name of yeah, him. He fell into a uh, oh, one of the canyons and, and his arm got stuck. Yeah, 127 yeah. hours. Yep, yep. He mm-hmm. didn't tell anyone, you know, but if someone knew he might have been out there mm-hmm. he might have been out of that situation much faster. Yeah. That's and that's even on the bike, you know, because I I have to train. Cause what what's so cool about these sports is that you've got one day on the calendar that you spend 360 days, almost a year preparing for. Some people have that one day, you know? And I mean, you your food, your equipment, your fitness, everything needs to be on point yeah. on that day. Cause it's not just how, how much can I train? How much can I go out and, and practice it? Yeah. It's on that day. What happens if you have a flat tire? What happens if you cramp up? What happens if your left leg just automatically is no longer like what it used to be Man. because you've been out there for eight hours? Man. You know, it's like, this sport is just not just about fitness. Yeah. And that's what's cool about it. It's also a
0: mindset. Well, and, and that that is what translates, in my opinion, to being successful in life. Not that I can say I have been really, but, but all I can say is that being able to overcome small little obstacles like that allows you to keep moving forward, right? And so and so whether it be your leg cramping up or how how do you manage the situation that you are the best so that you can keep pursuing, right? And um and that's why you see a lot of I don't know, I love speaking with generally the older generation with running because I always ask him, like, yo, like, I met a guy in Boulder a couple months ago when I was popping in just for a week. And he was like, oh, dude, I just went up Shadow Canyon to Bear Peak, which is the tallest mountain in Boulder, uh, just right in the Front Range. And he was like, yeah, man, it was super hard. I did it for my birthday. And I was like, oh, sweet, man. I'm like, very cool. Like, why'd you get after it? He he's like, I mean, just for life experience. And I'm like, yeah. I mean, that's going to teach you right there. Yes. So, but. Probably didn't tell anyone, too. Yeah, no. no one knew it was his birthday.
1: Yeah. yeah <laughs> he was just doing some badass thing just by yeah. himself. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, and that's what's cool about this sport, too sports is you can do it forever. Mm-hmm. There is no limit. I mean, we know uh, a gentleman in Gunnison, Colorado. He's been doing these adventure sports since he was younger than us. He's still out there getting after it. Yeah. And, you know, he's he's
0: old, you yeah. know, but his mindset's not old, you know, and that's what's cool about it. Yeah, I, I'm a believer that you are as young as you want to feel, right? Or as, long as young as you want to believe. And so that's, that shows how powerful your brain or your psyche really is. Um, and so that's why I think I'm transitioning well into being an ultra runner, because yeah. the stronger your brain is, the more you, you can uh, endure. But, um Sorry to interrupt. Yeah, good. I'd say a lot of it has to do with you're an optimist. Oh, yeah, absolutely.
1: You know, um, and that's mindset. That's complete mindset. Some people are like, well, I'm just not an optimist. Bullshit. You're choosing not to see the brighter side. Right. Therefore, you're not an optimist. Yeah. You weren't born a pessimist. Right. You just choose to see your glass half full. Mm-hmm. That's what kind of fires me up a little bit is people kind of give that give themselves that excuse to say, well, I can never do that. Well, yeah. First, it's a lot of discipline. You have to prep. You have to make sure your body's right. But also, ninety percent of it is you gotta make sure your brain's right. And if you wake up every day on the wrong side of the bed, that was your choice. Yeah. You're never gonna run hundred miles. Yeah. You know, like that's just because you just have that mindset that doesn't want to see the brighter side. Because mm-hmm. when I mean, yeah, it is mindset and having that spark of youthfulness is a mindset. But that's optimism. Yeah, totally. There's I'm getting older. I'm getting younger, yeah, maybe, you know? Yeah, for real. Yeah.
0: So there's, there's two things I want to speak to this. Uh, uh, first is, I just watched a video on some, like, I, can't, I don't know his name. I should, I should because this guy seems legit. But he was some surfer dude out in Hawaii. And he was like, dude, I've been playing with this idea of waking up. And instead of just, like, starting gradually to just get into your day, you just wake up and you just go... <laughs> it's as stoked as I can get Just to start your day yeah. So I like A couple days ago Woke up And I just Like was in bed Like kind of tired Because I love sleeping in yeah. And I woke up And I was just like <laughs> <laughs> Just trying to And I'm like What is going on But then I'm like You can start feeling Like the vibration From your yelling And everything and you're just like Dude The day is going to start Real good Real quick yeah. So that's was, one thing Was it a good day? Oh yeah Great day. Good Yeah That's all you want out of it right? yeah. yeah That's yeah. all you need and then, and then the other thing is is to, to be – not to be pessimistic, <laughs> but unfortunately the world is very confusing right now. And there's, and there's a lot of people that don't know or don't have a passion, and they are struggling to find one. And so this is where where could be contradictory to being a professional athlete. But I actually enjoy – so I went – so I have a race in a week. In, called JFK 50 mile in D.C. Yeah. And um, and this weekend, I went to a radio concert. <laughs> and, so, and so some people are like, dude, you're about to race. Like, Why are you going out? And I'm like, dude, I'm going out because I want to spread this optimism to as many people as I can because I think that energy will come back to me during my race. That's what I'm a believer of. Totally. And so whatever makes me the happiest is how I am going to race the best. And so that is something I believe in. And try to cultivate all the time that's so cool to hear especially from a professional athlete um,
1: that you're still living your life Mm -hmm. you're not allowing your sport to control you and that's where it becomes almost as if it becomes a job because the whole reason we got into this or you got into this I'm not at the level you are in my sport but it's because you love it and mm-hmm. don't allow whatever your life is happening, like whatever is happening in your life to either control the sport or vice versa, having your your sport control your life. Right. That's super cool. And so you went to the reggae concert and you got the, and did you have fun on the reggae concert? Yeah, I had a blast. Dude. I dude, had a, a freaking blast. So yeah, you're going to go into JFK. I'm just, just speaking out loud, super stoked. Yeah, totally. Like, you're going to be ready to have fun and. The ranking concert, that already happened. You yeah. can focus on, you know, what's... not what's important, obviously. There's a lot of things that are important. Yeah, exactly. Sure, right? Not the race is important, but uh, you can go in there with the mindset of, like, I can now fully commit to this
0: sure. next venture in my life, and yeah. the race, you know? Well, and that's the thing, though, is, is racing is not so black and white, right? And so there's a lot of people that believe that to be the best, I have to run a lot of miles or I have to spend a lot of time on the bike. And yes, I think that's true, but there are so many metrics to pay attention to that are encompassed of a great performance to see how a great athlete succeeds, right? Because otherwise, if it was just who did the most work, then they would win every time. It wouldn't be a race, but that is not the case. You see really good athletes shit the bet. You have to see really good athletes don't put it together that day and maybe that's psychological stress or maybe that's some other part of the life coming into their racing but it's like how do you bring a holistic approach that energizes you from every aspect of your life so that you can be the best athlete you can so totally because there's controllable
1: variables and then there's the uncontrollable variables that just happen and, and you just got to have that optimistic mindset when shit hits the fan totally. but the controllable variables I mean is what you did the past week. You know, some people are like, no, I didn't ride my bike because I have a race on Saturday. I didn't drink a beer because I have a race on Saturday. I didn't do all this because I have a race on Saturday. Race on Saturday, guess what? You had a flat tire that totally took you out. And that whole week prior to that race, it was boring. Yeah. (laughs) No (laughs) problem. Because you you flatted. And I'm sure you put so much pressure on yourself for Saturday's race. That totally. the, the universe said hey man, no, live your life yeah. and so that's cool, the concept of I went to the reggae concert to spread my optimism so that on Saturday I can receive it yeah. whatever you give, I'm a big believer too, is what you receive yeah. it's, you help someone cross the street, not that like that's something that, that only happens in a movie totally could, but the things that you say, the things that you feel mm-hmm. the, in, the lives you impact yeah she will come right around when you need it not just like randomly it's like I'm sure the the thunderstorms are gonna like come over JFK or Washington DC
0: and all of a sudden it just didn't rain. yeah and so this is this is something too is like is um don't expect those things to come because then you'll be upset when they if they don't right and so those circumstances if they come to your side be stoked about it love it right but if they don't then it is what it is and so that's also a conversation about generosity right is be generous with how you approach life and spread love everywhere but it's fake generosity if you're like no 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 no. I gave this person a free lunch I should be getting a free lunch too it's like that that takes away the gift of giving yeah and so how do you give without expecting anything in return and so that is what brings true happiness in my opinion but Totally, yeah. no, expectations. no expectations. Having
1: no expectations. Yeah. Um, Dave Meyer says it really well. Um, but of course, now I'm I'm it, but he says uh, be open to everything and then attached to nothing. Hmm. So be open to just being joyful, giving what you can, making other people's day. But don't be attached if it doesn't come back. Don't be attached to the to the. The needing, the received yeah. gesture, you know. Totally. So I, I appreciate that. I mean, that's that just shows your character too. And not a lot of people though go into it expecting, you know, to sure. get to get the hamburger back that they got the homeless person a month ago. Sure, right? sure. But it's yeah. really cool. And um, and I'm sure that's also has something to say with your mindset going into these sports. Is you know you're open to whatever happens, happens and not necessarily going to an ultra race to win is important. Mm-hmm. I think just just hearing from what you're saying, just the experience in general is, that's what brings you stoke, mm-hmm. you know? And whoever is there to bring them stoke, just because they're not even racing. Yeah. Like at aid stations, I've heard that you just bring so much stoke to everyone. Uh, yeah. So do you
0: make people dance at aid stations? <laughs> <laughs> yes, there's a and so maybe this lines into I can pull it full circle, but the race that I think got me my Nike contract was this race called Canyons. Um, it was out in California. it Runs part of the course on Western States course, which is a very um, very famous hundred mile race that in the U S. everybody chases. Um, you have to get a so canyons was a golden ticket race to get into western states and so this was just after COVID and so all a lot of the best athletes were just waiting and eager to race again so they entered that race and so I entered that race and <laughs> funny enough um, had a pretty rough training block going into it it had some IT band stuff that popped up and only did like I think Fifty or sixty miles before, like the two weeks before, I I could be I go back to the training log and look at it. But long story short, I remember doing one two hour long run, being like, "All right, body's okay. We're gonna make it work. We're going out here and we're gonna chase what the big dogs do and see what knowledge we can gain from this race." And with the with the theme of optimism, I was popping to a station to a station, like, "How can I give back to the people that are giving to me?" And so, one aid station, you pop in, and you're like, yo, like, this is sick. Well, first, the first half of the race is, I'm chatting with some of the best ultra runners that I've in the world. Like, I'm sitting there like learning from them, shooting the shit, being like, yo, we are running in a beautiful place with the sun rising right now, and it is amazing. To then it's like, all right, now it's starting to get harder, all right, you guys <laughs> keep going, I'm gonna back off a little bit, cause I gotta make sure I made it to the finish line, but you keep doing your shit. And so then I pop in an aid station, and I'm like, alright, like, this is sick. First one's like, I think I was like, okay, I gotta tell a joke or something. I have to get back to them. I tell a joke there. And then the second one, I'm like, alright, yo, like, much love for all the support you're me. Can I have a hug? Like, I would love a hug right now. Like, that would make me stoked. So they gave me a hug, and I'm like, alright, now, keep rolling. And the last one, I'm like, alright, dude, we need a freaking dance party to get this shit back up. We need to stir this pot up, get dancing again, and get going. So yeah, dance party there. And next thing I know, I'm freaking running a nine-and-a-half-hour race, get to the finish line, and some of the best people in the sport are like, dude, that was sick. Like, you really I, – I, I can't believe you went out of charge you didn't make it to the finish line. And I'm just like, I'm not doing this shit again. <laughs> this is so hard. And then the long story short, I think – that was probably the race, and I mean, I think, yes, I think that I'm a very good athlete, um, but I also think that um, your personality is more important, and so me connecting with those people, I think, gave me exposure to the contract, so. That's super cool, yeah. and what, what do you think it is that, like, kind of keeps you sparked like that, you know? Oh, there's. I mean, there are so many beautiful people in my life think, that I'm thankful for that. It got me there. Um, no, not even there. Not even the
1: contract. You know, like why is Preston so happy? It, like running yeah. out of the picture. You know, like what? What is it that you can come to an A station and get everyone else stoked? Because they should. They're there to help you get stoked. Yeah.
0: You know. Sure. So what is it? Um, yeah, I think. Well, there's a few things. Um, so, my parents are very close to my heart. Um, my dad is a giver by all means, and he's constantly paving that, paving that way, and showing that by example, and it is really inspiring. And then my mom is a gypsy free spirit, really leans into who she is, and so I, they're yin, y- they're yin and yang in their personalities, but I got to grow up and see both. of them. And so that gives me beauty because I can see what it's like to be a servant leader and see see people serve other people. But then I can also see the side of no, this is who you are. Lean into who you are, so you don't so you don't forget who you are. Because there's a lot of people that get like they 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 step off their own path because they want to serve people so much that they lose who they are. And so which is admirable. But it's it's like the uh, it's like the thought process of if you're on an airplane and the and the things come down while it's falling if you don't put it on yourself first you can't help other people you know and so I constantly try to balance like how can I how much can I give how much can I like restore myself so I can give more right and so I've just had great mentors in my life that have have shown me that way but also to uh, keep me inspired when I'm low and so and then, and I think. Yes, I think I'm a very happy person, but I think it would be too. Um, it would be too. It'd be a false reality to say that I'm happy all the time. I think I'm happy a lot of the time because I think that optimism and that thought process is very powerful. And you need to be able to turn on. But like. I mean, I'm human. Like there are points where I'm like, "Holy fuck, dude! This this, this right now is not fun." Like, but but when it's not fun, that's what about going to the well is right. Then you're like, "All right, how do I make this the best I can? What can I learn from this?" Because when I am in the well, when I am getting broken down, if you keep your eyes open to it and raw to it, you're building capacity. So the next time you're in the well, you don't have to go as low. Well. And so then the next thing you know, your life is just building a ceiling or building life experience that like gets better and better and better all the time. And yeah. so, yeah. The
1: deeper the well, the more the water. Yeah, I would love that. Too. Yeah, that's a really cool analogy to put on it. and huh. Like, I can speak with that too, is like, yeah, I'm happy most of the time because we're human. We can't, like, we're not Buddha. Yeah. I mean, even Buddha says, you know, I'm not happy, I'm just content, mm-hmm. right? Like, just finding contentness and and the shit, cause no one really likes writing an email. Yeah. <laughs> you kind of do yeah. it. Yeah. But that's, it shows a lot of your character that you can even say that too. Is yeah, you're not happy all the time. And what ultra can bring, in my experience, cause I'm I raise my mountain bike fifty to hundred miles. Mm-hmm. That's my that's my area, and it takes just as long to go on in training. Every day. I mean, I have to train at least five to six days a week. Mm-hmm. Um, but building that well and learning what it feels like to be there is only a comfort now. Mm. What used to what what it used to be was hell, and I never <laughs> wanted to be there. Yeah. Now I'm finding this contentness with it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, in a relationship. Mm-hmm. So even translating the experience on the bike to life. It can almost be like, yes, this is a shitty situation, but it is what it is. Mm-hmm. How can I just make the best of it and continue to just not
0: allow the circumstance to over take yeah. everything I have, you know? Well, and on, a, on another thread as well is sometimes... Um... As a professional athlete growing up, you think that I need to prioritize my training all the time. And it's true, you really do need to prioritize your training and your recovery and all that stuff. But sometimes it makes more sense to take a day off in my opinion. And so that's why it was refreshing to hear you say that you don't train seven days a week. I don't know if no, you do. No, no, five five to six. Yeah. I've just I just took two
1: weeks off. Yeah. Didn't touch my bike last week, went on a ride with her Mm-hmm. was running, mm-hmm. picked up the kettlebell, just moved my body differently to yeah. kind of get that spark. So, now when I, like, hit the 30 mile ride yesterday, fucking felt great, man. It was like, oh man, why did I stop myself from adventuring on my bike? Because it was like, you know, I'm taking a, I'm taking a break from training, but it, that's almost like saying no to adventure, mm-hmm. too. Because every time I'm on the bike, it's like this spark of adventure. Yeah. I just went, and yesterday, just traveled all these, like roads in Cottonwood and Sedona. Mm-hmm. And I just kind of explored some areas I've never
0: done. But, um, yeah, it's important to take off days for sure. Well, and, and so I – this last year or so, I, I don't think I've taken more than 10 days, 7 to 10 days off. But when time allows, like you have to find in your schedule what, what supports you the best – but I, I think at some point in my life, I'm looking forward to like maybe taking two months off. You know what I mean? Just because, and maybe just dabble in a completely different sport a little bit. Because then it's like you, because in the conversation of specialists and generalists, I'm a running specialist. This is what I've done for eight years, nine years of my life. And I have learned some really cool um, traits that have come off on from that sport onto me, right? But now I'm like, how do I learn those traits of another sport like rock climbing or something, and then combine them, and then because I think a big dream of mine at some point in life is to be a mountaineer. I love the ambition of seeing beautiful places, and so there's a lot of cool stuff within tied to within mountaineer, and so but that's why I need to take the time away from running at some point in my life and start being like, all right, rock climbing, um, skiing, you know what I mean, and just developing a new skill set so that you can take one skill set, combine it with the other, and then become specialized, multi-specialized. Person. Yeah, and taking athlete
1: out of the the so-called title, you know, um, because it's just a human adventuring. You are a running specialist and an athlete, but that doesn't necessarily have to identify as the athlete. I mean, to run is in itself just at the adventure, okay. and I I do agree with bringing in more. Uh, I guess sports
0: to keep the spark alive sure you know and and also bring uh, uh longevity to your sport because let's be real running every day for your whole life is really hard on your body biking hundreds of miles all the time is really hard on your body so how do you implement other sports that can stimulate um uh, aerobic fitness and other things, but also brings healing to the other parts of your body, so that you can do the sport that you love for longer. And so, yeah, that's awesome. And that's what I've
1: appreciated moving to Cottonwood is because living in Colorado and even living in Flagstaff, I had a I had a winter mm-hmm. to ski. Yeah. So there was no more. Like I I couldn't bike anymore. Yeah. And when there were rivers, I was kayaking too. So it wasn't just biking; I was kayaking. Sick. And biking. And then it was like, okay, I'm getting good at biking, let me focus on biking, the kayaking kind of, I still do it, but it's not like that spark, that you know, like this, like, let me juggle all these fun things that I love to do. And then in the wintertime, do you ski? Yeah. Bruno and I played hockey and I skied, you know, so it was just like, I never, this is the first time in my life I'm becoming a so-called specialist. I would say I'm still learning so much about my sport, Um, but... This is the first time in my life where the love of this one sport has kind of overtaken
0: all yeah. my other sports. Well that that speaks to how stoked you are getting about it. Because yeah. if you and so that's why I think it's good to also take time away from it. But right now your stroke level is so high that you're like, dude, I'm I'm throwing all my energy into it right now. Yeah. I wanna see how legit I can get at that, which is sick. But sometimes it it works in the in the contrary. Sometimes you're like, I need to take time off. To recover a bit so that i can have that that craving that stokedness again to be like because let's be real if you're going to do really big things in sport or really big anything anywhere you got to be internally driven to a t you know and so that's why it just is important to uh to balance both ends i guess totally because if i didn't
1: take an off if i didn't take a break from the bike this podcast wouldn't have happened mm-hmm. looking there you see it's just like it just you, I allowed more things to come into my life once I took my focus away from one the thing that takes most of my focus uh, now what do I put my focus on mm-hmm. I can't sit at home all day and like um, wash dishes and clean the la- lot you know clean laundry <laughs> no I gotta I gotta do something else and I gotta I gotta create you know there's, an, there's always been this artist in me that's always wanting to create and yeah. like, I love um, drawing or doing like digital stuff on the computer. And I was like, fuck dude, digital marketing. I love posting cool content on social media and I love hearing stories. And like now I got to like edit this later and the video would be like, okay, cool. Like how can I just link all this up to tell a story that was meant to be told? Yeah, You know, so it all, you know, if, if you're focused on one thing for too long, it can take away some... Of the things that might be knocking at your door, yeah, you know, absolutely. because you're never at the door don't like to like hear who's there. True, real. Um, and you just get a whole new perspective. Totally. And so that's important as well. Totally. And then I want to just kind of switch gears. You know, we're going to downshift the few. All right. <laughs> um, and I, I want to hear, I love, I love hearing stories about adventure. Okay. Um, I love hearing, I love hearing your story up to this point of just kind of how you got into it and your stoke level and your mindset about everything. But I want to hear the hardest day you've ever experienced
0: out there. Yeah. Um so so this is actually it's not even out there. It was on a track. And so um and so it was right before I was leaving towards for Austria. And, um, and one of my best friend's father's passed away cause of COVID. And so unfortunately he, uh, he didn't have, this family didn't have health insurance. And so like, it was a crippling debt that was being put upon the family. And so this was just after a week of, I had an experience in Boulder where I was just like filled with love. And I was just like, I would do anything for my closest friends. Like I really would. Like, I love these guys. Like I'm about to leave for Austria. Like. Like if anything happens, I just want them to know I love them, right? And then this next week my father's friend my friend's father passed away. And I'm like on a run, like emotional, like, holy shit. How in the world did I just say this? My best friend's father passed away and I'm just gonna like, I can't just let this dissipate. Like there's but like, this is just this is this is so raw to me right now. And so um, and so I like was talking with one of my friends and came up with an idea. And I was just like, dude, like <laughs> this it's one of my buddies, Will. This is not the guy who's, so my best friend's following her best friend, his name's Calvin. And so I was in the, in the kitchen with this guy named Will and I was like, dude, I think I'm gonna run for as long as I can on a track. And every lap that I run, I'm gonna donate a dollar and see how many people I can get to also do the same thing. So that we can generate enough money to actually give back to, um, to his family. And so, this is what's cool about it, is I start speaking this idea to people. As first, I speak it to my dad. My dad has an ecosystem of people that he does business with that he's like, oh, we can spread this, we can spread this, we can get some awareness on this. My best friend, Calvin's dad was an artist. We started connecting it to that industry, and, and people over there were getting intrigued by it. And next thing you know, I'm running, <laughs> I'm running, I'm seeing how long I can run on a track. <laughs> and... Um, End up going, end up going. So this is before I even started training for ultras. So this is like the longest run I did before this was like 33 miles or something. And so now I'm like, how long can I run on a track using one muscle group? Tracks are absurd because you literally don't, the elevation up and down, that gives you rest on different parts of your muscles. You're literally doing the same thing. But what was cool about it is I had my friend group supporting me the whole time. So I had constant inspiration, constant energy, going around this track over and over i rotate every five miles, right? So i go this way five miles, this way five miles. So I ended up running 88 miles on that track and raising over $35,000. Yeah. Yeah. That's beautiful. Yeah. And what was crazy about it is that I wasn't getting tired. I was not getting tired at all. But what happened was my right hamstring and my calf and my glute failed. And so I was starting to do walk miles to warm it up, so I could try to shuffle again. And so that just shows that if I had more, if I knew what I was training for and knew what I was doing, then I would have re- rebuilt my body so that I could endure that. But it just showed that there was weakness where I was. And so from that, though, I mean, I got really fit, so <laughs> which was super sick. But um, but yes, that was probably that was probably the hardest thing to endure, just because. The variables were pretty extreme, um, but physically, um, I didn't really ever go into a well like like on terms of my heart rate. Or even like mental. No, mental, mental. I was I was in a state of pure gratitude always because I was serving a purpose that was bigger than myself, and so that put me in a mindset that I was like, dude, I can run all day, baby. Like so, which is just another thing, but. That's really cool. Yeah. That's dude,
1: I I commend you for that. Like I mean Yeah, it's like emotional. Yeah, and it's really cool dude. Um, and that was your hardest day. Well just because it honestly kind of it shut you down. Your body
0: failed, but your mind was still yeah. there. And what and and like yeah it was a crazy running experience, but like that was a hard hard day of adventuring for me for one day now my best friend has to live his whole life without his father you know what I mean which is crazy too yeah and so but that what was cool about all this is now it's formulated it's, it's formulated a bond with me and one of my best friends that is just inseparable you know and yeah. so like that is true unconditional love which is sick so but yeah yeah and I'm sure I mean that was probably if one of
1: my best friends did that for me words can't even describe the gratitude I would have for them you know sure like dude it just shows so much about your character and what you bring not only to the sport but for people that you love like that is literally an ambassador for life not for running but as a human being like that that's really cool really cool to hear present. I appreciate um yeah Uh, (laughs) uh moving on um before I get teary-dyed, and soft. Uh, <laughs> how... I mean, yeah, dude, that, that just left me speechless, dude. That's so cool. It kind of reminds me of, like, the story of David Goggins doing the, the track. Wait, why did he do that? Did you hear that I don't story? actually know the tr- his track story, no. No, he, that was his first time he, uh, he ran around a track. And I don't know if it was for... Okay, that guy does crazy shit. That <laughs> guy. Okay. But he was 300 pounds and he... He ran around that track, I think, for 100 miles, and he shit himself, and, like, broke, I think he broke both of his ankles on that run. Oh, yeah, running through stress fractures. I I think he had
0: six stress fractures in his leg at something, or at some point or something. Yeah. Which is just, like, which I don't know if I would encourage, because that can lead to injuries that you can't recover from, which yeah. is sketch. But like it shows to his mentality, it shows to his character how hard he really is. For yeah. People. So yeah, like, like you can push. and.
1: Anybody can push, and push that hard. It's yeah, crazy. Totally. And yeah. it's a shift of a mindset, mm-hmm. you know, but yeah, going back dude. that's fucking so dope that you just kind of were like, no, I'm going to sacrifice my time. Because it's not even sacrificing your time. It's something that you would just do anyway for your best friend to raise money so the family wouldn't be debted, not only financially, but they've just lost a huge part
0: of their life. And you were there to do what you can. And you like to run. Well, and that's what... And I don't want to take this to a whole other tangent, but there's so many things that are so much more meaningful than trying to make money and worrying about... And worrying about um, what you can create for yourself right and so that's what gets me really stoked is when you see people paving the way but also creating steps for other people to to, to build confidence for themselves and so that's what's super sick is because the next thing you know it gets to a domino effect and you see all your friends just Freaking doing legit shit, and you're just like yeah. backfilled so much. Stoke, you're like, just like, Holy shit, dude, yeah. everyone's popping off right now! Yeah, and so that's what gets me excited too. That's so cool. Yeah,
1: it is a domino effect. Mm-hmm. Stoke in general is a domino effect. People get more stoked with your stoke, mm-hmm. but also seeing someone do something that's almost unimaginable makes you question, okay, maybe I could do something like that. And now you see people, like I can, I can attest, like I see people kind of doing, getting on the bike or, you know, uh, yeah. and I even am on the bike and doing these cool things from some of my friends who literally just were like, I'm going to run 50 miles. The grand Traverse are, you know, and they, all my buddies like ran the race. And I was like, I'll, I'll ride my bike on it. Yeah, yeah, it sweet yeah. But it's domino effect of just, uh, seeing this cool story because every time you do it, it's a story. Mm -hmm. Like, the 100 miles, living a whole life in one day, ultra is a whole experience, you know? And, like, there'll be some 100-plus-mile rides where I'll start, and then I'll remember at mile 30, like, I was like, oh, man, remember when you were at mile 30? Holy shit, you were (laughs) way over there. That was a whole nother like, that was, like, a month ago, it seems like, but that was just, like, four hours ago. Now, four hours later,
0: you're in a whole nother and po- potentially you're in a completely different, like, ecosystem. Oh, oh, I mean, totally. she's like, oh, my God, I was in a desert, I'm in pine.
1: Yeah. Like, what the
0: world? Like, yeah, no, where's my next gas station, you know? Yeah. <laughs> I, I feel like I got to
1: shit. Like, I don't. You know? <laughs> um, is that true that, if, uh, as a runner, you have to poop all the time? I generally don't. Okay. okay, dude, it is... <laughs> Kenzie, she poops. I oh, swear God. to God, every, every run... Everyone, go, two mile run. Yeah. She, we spent all day at the house, you know? Yeah. We'll be on a run and she's, she's out in the bushes taking a little poop. That's funny. Yeah. <laughs> but she says all the runners do it, so I just had to ask. Because you know? <laughs> bikers, you know, we got that seat right there. Yeah. <laughs> like you're no poops coming out. Um, but uh,
0: yeah, so do you want to, like, is there any cool little products coming out from Nike? Oh, yeah, dude, like, that's, that's, what's cool is, um, Nike is, I think, so, a lot of people know them as the road company that's made some really dope marathon shoes, and so now, like, the innovation light is spinning, and so, um, actually, I brought a pair of shoes with me to, to show, but this, we have a, it's called the Ultra Fly, here, I'll grab it real quick, but yep. it's, it's a, it's a little trail shoe that is, some of our Nike athletes at that Western State race talked about, um, <laughs> But yeah, and so it's a it's a little trail shoe that has a has a good little return to it. Whoa. Yeah, baby, and they're at, they feel so fast. Like, like I don't know if, if you've you probably never run in an Alpha Fly before. But yeah. <sighs> yeah. Oh, that's a, I like that bottom too because. You'll get some pop. Yeah, well, and also what I like about it is the, uh, the toe box is a little bit wider. And so, whereas, and I think where we went wrong with developing shoes at one point is we're trying to, like, conform the foot. And so some people's feet are so different that sometimes you need more space, you know? And so it's actually a really comfortable shoe. And, yeah. That's really cool because
1: I I first have a wide foot, but I also wear barefoot shoes. Oh. And trying to walk barefoot trying to, you know, like, have you ever heard of grounding? Kind of. Connecting to the frequency of the earth. Oh, cool. It sounds super out there, but dude, it's real. I feel it. Like if you're walked outside on grass Mm -hmm. Yeah. And if you had a bad day, like for some reason, you now kinda feel better.
0: Well it's the same that's on the same um same theme of when you when you are gardening or or working in the soil, it's actually therapeutic. Because you're putting your hands in the earth, yeah. Now. So it's the same conversation. If you, I mean, this is hippy dippy. I'm from Boulder, so it's whatever. I'm from Kansas <laughs> yeah. <There you> <laughs> But like, but like, connecting with the earth is a really good thing to do. Yeah. And so, unfortunately, I feel like um, where are in the, a very consumeristic mindset, we're just, we're separating ourselves from the earth, whereas in like, if you can give back to it, it will give to you. So totally. And
1: that, that'll bring us on a whole other tangent of probably why we spend so much time outside. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, like but like, I'm thankful you that yeah, in the circle. Yeah, that's... that's yeah. Um, I should press in my podcast listeners now about my garden because everyone I tell, I kind of like, hey, I got a really sick garden. <laughs> <laughs> Some <Yes, and> tomatoes <laughs> <it's> popping off. <up. laughs> so I should press in the garden. Um, so, yeah, it's it's my therapy, man. It's like my little, like... my. My second babies that aren't as important, you know. <laughs> but it's like my little like babies that are grown up in there, and I kind of eat them. It yeah. kind of sounds weird, but it's like I love it. You taste it. Put espresso beans in the garden, so like the espresso kind of like ferments, and you can almost taste the bitterness in the lettuce. Yeah, I'm gonna take this out of the podcast, and I don't want <laughs> anyone to know my secret. it. <laughs> um, And that's going to bring me over to the next point of, like, um, I want to, like, know what nutrition looks like for a runner. Um, Because for me, I can really eat anything. Um, I eat probably two granola bars, um, Cliff bars, if they just break up. Um, We have a good nutrition company that sponsors our team Mm -hmm. called Moxie Life. Uh, It's, like, a supplement that you drink every day. Um, It's a magnesium Mm -hmm. supplement. So we... Constantly piss out kind of our magnesium stores, and sure. if you cramp, it's a lack of magnesium. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, uh, Teresa, if you're listening to this, I could be butchering it. Sorry, uh, she's the, she's the uh, CEO who, who created this whole thing, but yeah. I swear, I mean, I used to cramp at like mile 40 because you're still like you're still cranking, yeah. Totally. Now, dude, no cramping, That's it's true. so crazy, and I don't sweat salt mm-hmm. anymore because okay. what a sign of um. Of salt on your on your clothing is your body's not holding on to sodium. Yeah. It's actually getting rid of it. But hydromagan, I also use MoxyLife phytolite, which is the electrolyte, but it, it's phytonutrients mm-hmm. instead of just salt and water. Like instead of just normal electrolytes, it's like phytonutrients, like spirulina, there's chlorophyll in there, like all oh, this really cool stuff. I'll like give you a few samples before you leave. Yeah. And there's dude, I mean, even just a drink. Like it's super healthy yeah. stuff, um, but like as a this you know, we do like goose, and I can do granola bars. I can even eat a peanut PB and J because um, really nothing messes with my stomach. Just I think just my biome can handle a True. lot of stuff. Well, you've and trained it for a while too. And I've trained it for a for a while. Yes, I wouldn't say it's always been like that, but I think I can eat really anything. Mm-hmm. Um, I kind of stay more on the healthy side of things anyway. I kind of in the raw form cliff bars aren't the raw form, but like cliff bars are like really caloric. Mm-hmm. But what do you, what do you eat? Um, first in your training runs, like if you do eat, what do you
0: eat? I and mean, then what's your go-to on an ultra, um, yeah. like what's your? Well, I mean, you've spoken to a lot of things that that resonates in the, in the trail running world as well, is especially in the longer races, we eat legit food as well. Mm-hmm. Because if you are hungry, if you're, like, if you're not filled, sufficiently filled, like, your body's going to be, like, crap, I'm craving something, you know what I mean? And so, in, like, a hundred mile races, you see a lot of people crushing mashed potatoes. And so, they're just, like, I mean, there's an ultra runner named Courtney DeWalter, who's really legit, yeah. And so, she just, uh, like, makes bags of mashed potatoes, throws them in those, like, little applesauce containers, throws them in her pocket. And she's just sucking down mashed potatoes, <laughs> which is hilarious. But also, your body wants the salt, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but... Um, personally, I use so so for a long time. I think uh, uh, a not an error, but I was like, I'm gonna eat real food because that's what my body' always respond to is real food. And so so I so I eat a lot of like fruit on like like the Canyons run I was talking about. And then you're starting to see that the real legit people are are getting more calories quicker because I mean the JFK fifty mile run is gonna be so fast you can't freaking digest mashed potatoes but you're only running like 5 or 6 hours and so now we're switching to stuff called spring energy so I'm not sure if you're familiar with it so yeah I brought some as well just because yeah case so actually so this is Tailwind is my electrolytes that I use I'm not sponsored by either of these companies actually so this is not an endorsement yep this is Tailwind we got endurance fuel also endurance fuel also endurance fuel just different flavors they also have caffeinated but anyways and then these things are spring energy which is cool about these oh Matthew I have seen these. Yeah, and so it's condensed fruit. And so when you're running far, like, you need – like, the fruit is easy for your body to process. Um, and so one's caffeinated, one's not. Um, I mean, one of the – this little guy right here has, like, 210 calories, which is, like – Damn. Yeah, pretty legit. And so – but anyways, and so that's stuff I've been finding recently is that. And then I use salt tablets. Um, but then also what's fun about early far ultras if you see people crushing snicker bars, drinking Cokes. Oh, yeah. And so sometimes it's about going to an A station and being like, what do my eyes tell me I need? Because your body knows better than you do, probably. Which is weird to say. But, yeah. but it's like scanning the table like, dude, frickin' I need that quesadilla right now. Give me that <laughs> Because yeah. it's like, what at that point when you're in survival mode, it's whatever you think your body needs. Okay. So like, yeah. I mean, I'll say no to pickle juice. Even Very when we're what? way out there. But then
1: I'll say yes to like, Orange juice. Yeah, <laughs> but then the other, you know, it's like it's all. It's so true. That it's you listen to the body, but the mind's just like, yeah. That Coca Cola yeah. is going down yeah. right now. Yeah. Yeah. I've been thinking about you for the last three hours. Like, yeah, well, totally. Coca Cola is my weakness out there. Like mm-hmm. I'll even think, just I'm just grinding, just. Put in all I can. All I'm thinking about is like Coca Cola, yeah, Coca Cola. Yeah, totally, totally, As I'm drinking like my electrolyte, I've been drinking the whole time. I and mean,
0: want some change. Yeah, you sometimes you
1: definitely need to change it up. Like so. That's sweet. Um, well, sweets. So it's almost you're kind of eating the same stuff cyclists do. Mm-hmm. Some cyclists, though, I will say, I got one buddy who eats just cupcakes <laughs> and like, dude, he's. The fittest dude ever. But we went, We did a big ultra ride and he was so stoked. He was like, oh, this is the only time I get to eat whatever. I mean, he was eating. Like, well, he, brought
0: a cup- he brings cupcakes on right. a bike. No oh, way, bro. Dude, he
1: brought like this little cool like, uh, I'm forgetting the name. Swiss it rolls. Like, it has apple, apple, apple Swiss roll thing. It was like, yeah. I don't know. It was, or the zebra strike one. Oh, uh,
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, zebra, bro, he brought, uh, him, he so brought him like all the tasty cakes. You yeah, know? dude. And I'm like, dude. Are you gonna be okay. Did <laughs> you bring any real food? He's like, oh no, man.
1: I'm like, I, I got like fourteen hundred calories just in this pocket. I'm like, oh well, yeah, but like, what's the quality of the calories? <laughs> like, true. I had baby food. Like just throwing that out there to everyone who's listening. Baby food has been my go-to. Processing. getting to me, yeah. yeah carrots, squash, ginger. Yeah, There's an like apples. Yeah, dude. cider apple apple so. or applesauce. Um, spinach, carrot, and apple. Dude, all these, and, and they come into a an ultra pack, I mean, yes. easy, accessible pack. Yeah. You can get them at Safeway for like $220 a piece.
0: Dude, I, I literally have four meals of baby sauce. on yeah. yeah. the conversation, dude, this shit is getting so expensive. Like, I might be switching to baby food. Because it's just like, dude. it's four We're all broke, yeah. yeah. kind of. We're all broke, kind of <laughs> bro. yeah. You're an
1: athlete, man. You're really traveling everywhere. You're not, you know, you're not on the NFL big screen. You know, yeah, can't yeah. millions of dollars. This is yeah. something you love to do. Yeah. So you want to, you want to find the, the most hacks. I was, I was doing baby food, almonds, um, freeze dried shiitake mushrooms, <laughs> salted. <laughs> yeah, I, I love was, it. Dude, like five star cuisine, and it was, uh, my stomach never once hurt. Nice. My buddy. Out that we you know yeah. because he, he had a call he had a stomach issue because we went from Flagstaff and we went to like Williams mm-hmm. down and then climbed up to like up to Jerome mm-hmm. and then we came down into Cottonwood and yeah. we stayed here and then we were gonna go from here back to Flagstaff yeah and so there were gonna be two big days and we got here and he yeah. had a call and yeah. he had to yeah. call yeah. his girlfriend to come pick him up yeah and I dude you just can't control that though I mean but I will say it might have been the junk food yeah. so. <laughs> If, uh, what did you learn? My boy Martin, I love you to death, but I know you're listening to this. <laughs> I you, you shouldn't be eating that. <laughs> it's just like what it is,
0: though, because... Maybe not only that being your only calories. Yes. you could probably eat it occasionally for sure, yeah. like at points, but having only fifteen hundred calories of just that, probably not great. But. Probably not great. He
1: can attest now, because we went to the gas station, Coca-Cola, Gatorade, and I think he got more sweets. I was <laughs> like, cute. Uh, uh,
0: it sounds like an entertainment. He loves it though, Good. he's like, oh man, like this is the one
1: like these are the only days I get to just eat what I want. Because yeah. it is kind of you're burning calories all the whole time, so you really can't Eat whatever you want. Yeah. Because you won't hurt my girlish figure. Um, (laughs) Like, I wouldn't say girlish, I'd say my my petite figure. You know, get those love handles. Uh, As you're riding, I mean, you're just constantly burning. So you can eat whatever you can. So it's interesting to see that you have the same mindset of eating as close as you can to real food. Um, And do you eat
0: every, like, hour? Or, oh, um, with this next race, I'm going to be eating like every 40 minutes or so roughly just because it's going to be high output. And so, but actually, which is maybe this is bad on me for my training, but I do a lot of training runs where I don't bring anything, which is some people will say that's really bad because it's hard to recover. But I like building the mental strength of like, you know, I can be up there and be grinding and... See how well my how deep my well is dating right now, and so if it's really far, obviously I bring stuff too. But um, but like I mean, on my easy days I'm going like sixty to eighty minutes, and I don't really think I need anything in those periods of time. So, but yeah,
1: same. I there's a lot of lot of rides. If I'm going anywhere from twenty to thirty five miles, um, some days, not all days, but I won't bring anything besides water and electrolyte. Cool. So really that's all your body needs is water and electrolytes. Yeah. I could see the argument of you should consistently keep eating, but if I'm in the same mindset. Like it hurts more when you don't have food. Yeah. My stomach starts growling out there, and you're still riding your bike, and it's like. Yeah. Uh, if I can do this for another hour, this is going to be the perfect training for the upcoming race. Yeah. Um, well, it's getting close to that time, so we might need to uh, cut it
0: because Preston has a meeting here. What well, three? So you're sixteen minutes late. That's right. Sometimes you gotta, you gotta push the boundary because some things are worth it. So yeah. this is definitely worth it. This, is the stoke. Yeah, I love, it. dude. I loved hearing your story. Um, is there anything that you kind of want to close on? Um, hmm. that's a very broad. But that's I should have thought of this before getting here. Uh, I mean, honestly, I think I'll just close with my appreciation towards you building space for people to share their stories, because I think. I'm a person that I I'm like like you. I love conversing and, and facilitating to hear other people's stories. And if you don't create that space, some people will never share their story, right? Absolutely. And so, mad props to you taking your intuition, reading into your gut of, of leaning into a space that I think is going to create a lot of stove for other people. Cool, man. I appreciate that because, you know, I'm, I'm not
1: doing this for money. Like, I do truly want to learn from people like you and people who have that stoke and that that soak for adventure and stoke for life um and dude i, I learned so much from you <clears throat> just to be a better person i mean i'm gonna walk away from this conversation fuller you know because Preston, you you do bring such an energy into a room that is really contagious and it's authentic it's real and i can sense it would do anything for anyone um so, dude, I commend you just like for what you do on a daily basis, but also for the things that you do for others it is super powerful. And I'm super stoked to hear that story today. Yeah. And I appreciate the appreciation, mm-hmm. you know, I like that. Um, so stay tuned. Uh, this will be live here soon. And um, yeah, man, keep that stoke high. For real. Bro. That's badass. For real. All right. Keep this stuff going. Cool. Keep the stuff going.
0: <laughs> you? That's a wrap.
1: That's a wrap.